Hi guys. <laughs> I'm so glad to be here with you this morning. I'm very humbled to be a part of this and just grateful that you're here. Um, this is not something I ever visualized myself doing, much less doing twice. So here we go. We're going to do it again. I'm very glad to be here this morning. And I want to start with a little disclaimer. Um, which I was a communication major in college, and they say never start with a disclaimer. But I think this one's important, so I'm going to ask for forgiveness. Um, my dad has been a preacher my whole life. From the time I was little, he's still a preacher. He's preaching this morning. And every weekend when I was little, I would ask him, what are you preaching on this weekend? And, you know, he would tell me the topic. A lot of times he would just reply, sin. I'm preaching on sin. <laughs> I always thought that was so funny, but I always thought that my dad was speaking on things that he had mastered. Like I thought he would pick something that he had really gotten his hold on and he would preach it. But as I got older, one day we were talking about preaching and he said, oh, I never preach on things that I've mastered. I only preach on the sermons that I need to hear the most. And so this morning, I just wanted to start and say, this is a sermon that I really need to hear. Um, we're going to be talking about Sabbath and rest today, and if I were to be having coffee with you, I would tell you that my husband and I have been living wildly above the speed limit of life for the last few years, or maybe I could say it that we've just been going with the flow of traffic in the world, and God has been convicting us um, recently of this idea to practice Sabbath, and so today I want to share with you nothing that I have mastered um, but an idea that, because I have a feeling that I'm not the only person in the room that considers themselves busy. In fact, I think most of us, if we were to do a show of hands, would say that we're busy. And we might even raise our hands fast because we're a little bit proud that we're busy. We equate busyness to importance in our culture. But God has a different plan. We as a culture have a problem. We love busy. We love hurry. We're living in ways that are destroying our souls. But like I said, God has an answer, and he's had an answer since the beginning. So as I was preparing this message, I really wanted to start with someone that I knew that was like practicing Sabbath really well, and I couldn't think of anyone. <laughs> so that also made me think like we probably need to talk about this. Um, so I've been just studying and listening and praying and reading more about this. So this is going to be kind of a scrapbook of my thoughts and some other preachers' thoughts that I've just brought together for us to listen to and hear today. So I hope this will be beneficial. Before we get to the scripture that I want to look at, um, I want to talk about what Sabbath is so that we all kind of have a framework. Um, maybe some of you are thinking Sabbath, so just like sitting and, you know, sitting and I don't, I don't know, like slowing down. Um, the guides of Sabbath are kind of just a framework that we can all kind of hold on to. Inside of that framework would be a lot of like best practices, and we don't have time to go into that today, but if this message is tugging on your heartstrings as it is mine, I would love to pass on some resources to you, so feel free to reach out if that's you after this. Um, mainly, I just want us to all have the same idea as we're going into this message. So, this is going to be very unique to each person, Sabbath. God has a relationship with you, and it's different than the relationship with me. Some of you would be like, I need to go for a run on Sabbath. It will energize me, and like, I'll get to be outside and delighting in God. If I was going for a run, that would be work, and so that would not be Sabbath. <laughs> so let's first start with Sabbath is stopping work. 
It's to stop. Shabbat is the original meaning of the Hebrew word Sabbath. And it means we stop not only from our paid work, but from our unpaid work. And I think that's a really important distinction is like this is not the day where we get caught up on all the things that we feel behind on, the laundry, maybe, I don't know, that's just at my house. Um, All the things that we feel like we need to do, this is a day of completely stopping. The second thing that we do on Sabbath is enjoy rest. We enjoy rest. Then we practice delight. We will notice things on Sabbath that we don't notice all the time because we're so busy. And so we practice delight, and then lastly, we contemplate God and his great love for us. So as you can see, this is a very loose framework, a very loose plan. It's very flexible, um, and it's just going to be unique because uh, we're all unique, and God made us all as image bearers. Um, But today, I think the most important thing that I can tell you about this framework is they're not rules. This is not something to get caught up in of like, okay, I've got a number one, stop working, number two, enjoy rest, and then practice delight. This is just a framework, because the idea is just being with God. So let's get into the text here and start looking at God's heart for rest and why it matters so much. So if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Genesis 2, verse 1, all the way back at the beginning. This is like God's original plan. So Genesis 2. In verse 1, we've gotten through all of creation, right? We've gotten everything is made. God is seen it as good. And it says, so the heavens and the earth and everything in them were complete. On the seventh day, God had completed his work that he had done, and he rested. On the seventh day, um, from all of his work and all he had done, God blessed the seventh day, and he declared it holy, for on it he rested from all of his creation. So since everything had been made, we know that God wasn't by himself in the garden. He's with Adam and Eve, who had been made the day before, right? And they were called very good. If you're looking in your Bible, that's just the verse before. Um, So it's very interesting to think Adam and Eve, their first day with God is rest, The first thing that they do in the Garden of Eden is spend a day with God just being. Before they get to any of their garden duties, whatever that might have looked like, (laughs) they are just stopping and pausing. Holy leisure. They did nothing to earn that rest. Rather, we see that they will begin their work from a place of rest. So in his book, To Hell with the Hustle, by Jefferson Bethke, He writes, now Adam felt that the first Sabbath, imagine how he felt on the first Sabbath. Humans were fashioned on the sixth day, like we just talked about, which means when Adam first opened his eyes, he was looking at Sabbath rest. Sabbath was his baseline. It was his first moment, his first memory. God's rest and celebration filling of the earth is Adam's first moment. And only then could he go work properly and live into the vocation that God had called him to. God's perspective was work and then rest. Adam's perspective was to know rest and then work. Too many of us are trying to be like God when we are Adam. We work from rest, not to get rest. All right, well, I will see you guys later. This has been so fun. (laughs) 
I'm just kidding. Let's make our way over to Exodus. We have some work to continue doing, seeing if this is really important, you know? See why this is significant. You see, God gives the Ten Commandments in Exodus, and we're going to see um, how he has delivered God's people from slavery, okay? And he's going to talk about Sabbath in these Ten Commandments. They've made it to Mount Sinai, where Moses receives the Ten Commandments, the Ten Best Ways, as I've heard them called. And in these commandments are guidelines for just that, the ways to a flourishing life. You'll see things like don't worship other gods, don't lie, don't commit adultery, don't make idols, don't murder your neighbor. I feel good about all of those. You guys feel good about that? Yeah, we can all agree that these are good guys for living a good life. Your life will be better without stealing and lying. But then we get to verse 8. So we're in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. This is where things get risky. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You are to labor six days and do all of your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord, your God. You must not do any work, you, your son, your daughter, your male or your female servant, your livestock, or the resident alien who is within your city gates. For the Lord made the heavens and the earth the sea and everything in them in six days. Then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he declared it holy. So if you're like me, you're like, well, that is just a very cool thought. Very nice, very nice. But then we realize, as we were just looking, that we see only one of these commandments as negotiable. Or as John Mark Comer puts it, we have nine commandments and one suggestion. But what we see in these verses is Sabbath is holy. It's something that God has blessed. Sabbath is God's idea for the best way for us to live. It's a commandment, but it's also a gift. So Sabbath is for you. It's for us to enjoy and to delight in. Can you imagine what it would be like to learn how to ride a bike that didn't have brakes? I think it would probably look a lot like this. I think I used this picture last year, but it just makes me laugh. My dad's so patient with me. But can you imagine if you took off riding down a steep hill and you knew that you didn't have brakes and the only way that you could stop was to crash? I think a lot of us are living like that, myself included. The only way that we can stop is to crash. We don't have brakes. Brakes or brakes. How fun is that? I should have written that down breaks or breaks. Dr. James Brian Smith was writing on holy leisure. Some of you have probably read his book, The Good and the Beautiful God. It says, the practice of holy leisure gets me in touch with the fact that I am loved, I'm valued, I'm important if I don't do anything. That's what holy leisure teaches me. It teaches me to slow down to break the grip that the world has on me so that I can just value my being. It tends to bring real peace to my soul. This is one of those practices like Rick often reminds us that we won't drift into. This is something that it's gonna take a lot of work for us to achieve, not achieve, we're, we're Sabbathing. It'll take us a lot of time to get to a place of comfort with um, because it's gonna show us a lot of the ways that we're tangled up in the things that we value and earn. It's gonna show us some painful sin that we might be caught up with, but in the end, it's going to lead to a more abundant life, 
I can tell you from my own experience, the untangling, the slowing down, it's really hard, like really hard. We've wired ourselves for a really fast pace, or I'll speak for myself, I have wired myself for a very fast pace. Um, and I can say even yesterday, as I was attempting to incorporate more Sabbath into my day, not all of the day, but some of it, resting, taking break from things like screens, there's this constant pull to want to busy myself and be thinking of what I need to be doing next. And that's why it's so important, God says, to just be with me. Just be. So, like we were looking in Exodus, we see that this text is not only for us. The Sabbath is not only for us, but it's for our own community, our whole community, our brothers, our sisters, our daughters, our sons. So let's flip forward to Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 12. We are having a great time in the Old Testament, aren't we? Are you guys happy to be in the Old Testament? <laughs> okay. So this is going to be to a new audience than the Ten Commandments were originally delivered to. This would still be Israel, but it would be the descendants of those who received the original message. So they are reminded to remember. So let's go ahead and look at Deuteronomy 5, verse 12. It says, be careful even. Be careful to remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. You're to labor six days and do all of your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Do not do any work. You, your sons, your daughter, your male, your female slave, your ox, your donkey, any of your livestock, or the resident alien who lives within your city gates, so that your male and female slaves may rest too. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you there, brought you out of there with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. That's why the Lord your God has commanded you to keep the Sabbath. So we see here that this is for everyone, and God is reminding the children of Israel's descendants, you were in captivity once, and if you do not rest, you will end up back in that situation. You may not have the same people over you, but there will be something keeping you in bondage in your life. If we do not rest, we will be back in bondage. This is the reminder, don't go back to Egypt. God is telling them, do not go back to Egypt. Don't let the work, don't let progress or busyness consume you. You've already been there. This is rest. So John Mark Comer someone who I really look up to in this um, space of Sabbath, he refers to Sabbath as scheduled social justice. Sabbath is good for us. It's also good for our neighbor. It's a day where we dial back our consumer mindset. Maybe we take a day to remember that when we purchase, someone else works. Everything that we buy, someone else makes or delivers. You know, Amazon, the miracle of 24-hour shipping. It's so good for our forgetfulness, but we have to remember someone else brings it. Someone else works. So on the Sabbath day, we take a break from all of that, or as best as we can, and we show that love to our neighbor by giving them a break. Sabbath is not only good for us, it's good for others. Now, this is not a totally foreign concept here in America even. Back in the 1940s, we had what were called the blue laws or the Sunday laws, um, that banned buying, selling, and traveling, and some other things on Sundays. 
most states have gotten rid of these laws, but there are businesses that observe them just on their own. Without fail, I'll ask my friend Elle on Sunday mornings, where are we going to eat? And she'll say, Chick-fil-A. And every Sunday, I have to look at my friend Elle and say, this is so disappointing, but Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays. (laughs) And she'll say, oh, I forgot. And we know that Chick-fil-A is closed to honor the rest of their workers. Hobby Lobby, same situation. Recently, I was um, purchasing something online. There's this company that I really think is cool, um, and I didn't know this, but they're Amish. And so I got online on like a Saturday evening, and their whole website is closed down. They say, you can come back on Sunday, you can't buy today, or you can come back on Monday, you can't buy today. They let their company rest. We know that these businesses, I think Chick-fil-A probably gets the most flack, you know, they're inside the airport. They can make so much money on Sunday. But they know that there is a greater blessing when they slow down and they stop. There's a bigger blessing and a bigger promise. So what these corporations know is that a way to love, a way to show our aching world that there's a different way to live, and that the way to live is better than what the world has on offer is by honoring that rest. I can hardly imagine a world without Amazon, like we all said. But it is good to remind ourselves and our neighbors that there are days that we just don't need to need. Sabbath is our witness to the world that our life can be different. And many of us hear the phrase, you know, I was working for the Lord. This is our witness to say I was resting in the Lord. I was resting in the Lord. Which leads me to our last point. Sabbath is our weapon. Sabbath is a weapon that we get to wield in this cultural moment where we might need Sabbath now more than ever. Most of us don't rest until we're on low power mode or until our bike crashes. Um, (laughs) I was listening to a sermon on Sabbath by author A.J. Swoboda. That's such a fun name, Swoboda. And he pointed out that the only spiritual entity described in the Bible is Satan. So if you would flip to Job 1, we're just going to take a minute, because this is not company that we want to be keeping or associated with. In Job 1, God is asking Satan, where have you come from? And he says, well, I've been roaming all through the earth and walking all around on it. I've been everywhere. I've been so busy. I've been running to and fro. I think I've said that before. I've been running to and fro. It's not company I want to be associated with. He also points out that there is no other religion that has a creation story that says to rest. Our God created the weekend. Our God created rest. And we don't accept it as a gift. So the truth is, rest is our weapon. It's easy to say yes to temptation when we're exhausted. Do you guys get that? Just me? The devil thrives in our life once we're so tired we can barely see straight. My family will tell you, my mom specifically, that when I am tired, I'm like the least rational person on the planet. It's like tears. It's horrible. I'm like, everything's bad. (laughs) She would always say growing up, I think you need to drink a cup of water and you need to go take a nap. Worked every time. On the Sabbath, we get to practice resisting temptation. We get to wield our weapon of self-control. And like I was saying, my biggest temptation on the Sabbath is to just like be on my phone, 
to be busy. Uh, we could easily watch YouTube, be on social media, shop all day long. But on the Sabbath, I rest from those things, and it helps me on the other six days of the week to put those apps in their proper place, to remember that I'm working from a place of already being loved and not needing more. Sabbath reminds us that we will not participate in the world of building our own kingdoms, that we will rest and we will let God be God. Can you imagine what resting might do for you, in you, through you, for you? What will your family, your friends, and your coworkers notice if you were rested? Not just like crying all the time like me. <laughs> now I know some of you are thinking, I've got kids. I don't have kids, but first let me say, this is a practice, so it's gonna take some time for us to get comfortable. It's gonna take some time to find a routine. It might not be easy at first, believe me, like I've shared, it's been really hard, and it's just me and my husband and our dog. I don't have kids yet, and I'm trying hard to unravel myself to that true place of rest. But I want you to imagine a generation that was taught to rest that was taught that they're worth a lot more than they can produce. If you have kiddos and you're thinking that this is impossible, I wonder what it would be like to have special things on the Sabbath, special meals, special toys, things that are just reserved for that day that might make it enjoyable for the whole family and even allow you to rest as well. Maybe you're thinking, my boss will hate me. If I log off of Teams, if I don't respond to an email, if I really take that day off, he'd hate me. I just wonder if we need a reminder of who we really work for. Whose opinion do you cherish the most? And who do you want to say well done? Lastly, you might be thinking, we sure have spent a lot of time in the Old Testament. Why does that even matter? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we have been in the Old Testament a lot. And I think the Old Testament does matter. Um, but maybe you need the reminder, too, that Jesus rested. And we don't have a lot of time to go through all of the places. Um, but there were a lot of times where Jesus was just, like, asleep when everyone thought he should be working. The disciples are always freaking out. He's on the boat, just, like, taking a nap in the middle of a storm taking the nap in the middle of the things that needed to be done. Jesus rested. God rested. The devil doesn't rest. Let's be more like our creator. So this is an invitation to you. If you feel like your bike didn't come with brakes, if you're on low power mode, it's time to decide if we're going to take the rest that Jesus has to offer. You were made to rest. And as we saw in the text, this is done in the context of community. So I want to encourage you this week or in the coming weeks to get with your people. Get with your small group. Get with your rooted group. Do with the people that you do life with and talk about how you can hold each other accountable to rest. Because it'll be a lot easier if you do it together. So for the last few minutes, we're going to do something crazy we're going to practice resting together. I'm going to read some scripture over us. 
Um, but before we conclude, I want you to know that I'm praying for you. I am praying that as a community, we slow down, that we don't take the bait that the world has to offer, and that we draw near to God and trust him in the rest that he has, and that the Hills Church would be a signpost to our city that life can be better than what the world has to offer. Life can be better than their current experience. So I'm just going to read, and you just get comfy. Maybe you need to close your eyes, or um, I don't know, however, maybe you want to lay down on the seat. I don't, I don't mind. You do you. We're going to get comfy, and I'm just going to read some words over you this morning, and then we'll conclude with worship. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything that I need. He lets me by down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters and renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his namesake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I don't fear danger, for he is with me. His rod and staff comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord for as long as I live. Come to me, all of you who are burdened and weary, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Truly my soul finds rest in God, my salvation comes from him. In peace I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. God, I thank you today for this time, for us to just reflect on the way that we're living. We want to be more like you. We want to be more like your son. We want to obey and we want to show the world that life with you is different than what our culture has to offer. And so we pray for ourselves that this is maybe a hard thing to even think about. We can't imagine what it would be like to truly stop for a day. We pray that you will just give us clarity, that you will give us great community that will encourage us, we pray that our church would truly be a light to this county, to this city. That people would hear about the way that people at our church live 
and they would want to be a part. They say these people are different because they've spent time with Jesus. They've rested in him. And so we pray, God, that you would give us wisdom and that we would find true rest from the only place that it comes. In Jesus' name, amen.